Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala Qala rabbi shahli sadri wa yasir li amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Allahumma zidna ilma All praise and thanks is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi Hadith number 20 وعن أبي سعيد سعد بن مالك بن سنان الخدري رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال كان في من كان قبلكم رجل قتل تسعة وتسعين نفسا فسأل أن أعلم أهل الأرض فدل على راهب فأتاه فقال إنه قتل تسعة وتسعين نفسا فهل له من توبة فقال لا فقتله فكمل به مئة ثم سأل عن أعلم أهل العرض فدل على رجل على رجل عالم فقال إنه قتل مئة نفس فهل له من توبة فقال نعم ومن يحول بينه وبين التوبة انطلق إلى أرض كذا وكذا فإن بها أناسا يعبدون الله تعالى فاعبد الله معهم ولا ترجع ولا ترجع إلى أرضك فإنها أرض السوء فانطلق فانطلق حتى إذا نصف الطريق أتاه الموت فاختصمت فيه ملائكة الرحمة والملائكة العذاب فقالت ملائكة الرحمة جاء تائبا مقبلا بقلبه إلى الله تعالى وقالت ملائكة العذاب إنه لم يعمل خيرا قد فأتاهم ملك في سورته آدمي فجعله بينهم أي حكما فقال قيسوا ما بين الأرضين فإلى أيهما كان أدنى فهو له فقاسوا فوجدوه أدنى إلى الأرض التي أراد فقبط فقبطت ملائكة رحمة متفق عليه وفي رواية في الصحيح فكان إلى قرية الصالحة أقرب بشر بشبر فجعل من أهلها وفي رواية الصحيح فأوحى الله تعالى إلى هذه أن تباعدي وإلى هذا أن تقربي وقال قيسوا ما بينهما فوجدوه إلى هذه أقرب هذه أقرب بشبر فغفر له وفي رواية فنأي بصدره نحوها The translation of the hadith Abu Sa'id al-Khudri May Allah be pleased with him He reported That the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He said There was a man from amongst the nations before you Who killed 99 people And then made an inquiry About the most learned person on the earth He was directed to a monk he came to him and told him that he had killed 99 people and asked him if there was any chance for his repentance to be accepted. He replied in the negative and the man killed him, also completing 100. He then asked about the most learned man in the earth. 
he was directed to a scholar. He told him that he like he killed 100 people and asked him if there was any chance for his repentance to be accepted. He replied in the affirmative and asked, Who stands between you and your repentance? Go to such and such a land. Then you will find people devoted to prayer and worship of Allah. Join them in worship and do not come back to your land because it is an evil place. So he went away and hardly had he covered half the distance when death overtook him. And there was a dispute between the angels of mercy and the angels of torment. The angels of mercy pleaded, This man has come with a repenting heart to Allah. And the angels of punishment argued, He never did a virtuous deed in his life. Then there appeared another angel in the form of a human being. And the contending angels agreed to make him an arbitrator between them. He said, measure the distance between the two lands. He will be considered belonging to the land which is nearer. They measured and found him closer to the land, the land of piety, the land of Rahmah, where he intended to go, and so the angels of mercy collected his soul. This hadith is found in Bukhari and Muslim. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the author, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower him with blessings, rahmatullahi alayhi. He reported this hadith and he brought this hadith. This hadith is on the authority of Abu Sa'id, Sa'ad ibn Malik ibn Sinan al-Khudri, famously known as Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. May Allah be pleased with him. That the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentioned and he said that there was a man amongst the people before you who killed 99 people. And after killing 99 people, this person he realized and he regretted this type of action that he was doing. And this is something important. That a person is never too good to become bad. As we see around us. Sometimes we see a person, mashallah, tabarakallah, a pious person, a good person. But after years we hear, this person was involved in this, the person was involved in that. Or in this case of the hadith, the opposite. That this person was extremely bad. Killing one person is like killing the whole of humanity. And what about 99 people? So, he goes and he's looking for someone. He's looking for the most knowledgeable person that can direct him, can explain to him what Tawbah is. What should he do? So they directed him to a monk. An ardent worshipper, but he did not possess any knowledge. So yes, he worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was an abid. But when it came to knowledge, see something he lacked. And when he was asked whether his repentance could be accepted after having killed 99 souls, he 
exaggerated the sin and said your repentance will not be accepted the man became angry he became uneasy and he killed the monk as well completing 100 so he completed his century so again he goes and he wants to look for the most knowledgeable person on earth and was shown the way to a knowledgeable man so see the difference first of all he goes to a monk he goes to the pious person. That's what he was told. That this person is. But he was looking for someone with knowledge. And we find that this person. Yes. He's worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's five days. Five times a day in the masjid. He's reciting Quran. But this does not mean that the person possesses. Knowledge and its intricacies. person he wakes up for tahajjud he recites quran he makes his adhkar he sits in the masjid he helps the poor but this does not make him a knowledgeable person this does not make him someone that sat at the feet of the ulama that sat at the feet of the scholars of islam at the students of knowledge and they studied the different books, they studied the different chapters of fiqh, they studied the different tafasir, the different ahadith, the different aqidah books. No. And this is why it is important to always ask, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُ That ask people of knowledge if you do not know. Don't just sit and use the internet. Or don't just go to the local masjid and ah, mashallah, tabarakallah, good person. He looks like he's clever. He looks like he's a knowledgeable person. Let me ask him. As we can see here, this person, instead of saying I don't know, he lost his life. Subhanallah. So, he was, or he told him that he had killed a hundred person. Right? So now he means, meets the knowledgeable person, the shaykh, the scholar, the student of knowledge. And he says that he killed 100 people. And he asked whether his repentance will be accepted. So the knowledgeable person, he said, yes, no one can hinder the servants through repentance. No one can stop your true, true repentance if you are sincere and you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. The door of repentance is open. But he puts a certain condition or he gives him some form of advice. He says, but go to so and so a town, meaning leave this town that you're in. Because you will find that in this next town or the other town, there are people that are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in. So perhaps the land that he was in and Allah knows best was a land of kufr. It was a land of disbelief. So this knowledgeable person, he orders him to migrate with his faith to a town where Allah is free from all imperfections, right? Or a town where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani free from all imperfections and exalted, be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is worshipped. So the man, he set out, made tawbah, full of remorse, 
migrating with his faith to the land where the people worship Allah Azza wa Jal. And what happens? Halfway into the journey he passes away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he takes his soul. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, كُلُّ نَفْسٍ ذَائِقَةُ الْمَوْتِ That every soul shall taste death. And this man was no different. So the angels of mercy and the angels of the punishment, they both come. And they have some form of disagreement. The angels of mercy, they say this was a person of good. The angels of punishment, they say this was a person of evil. And this also reminds us if we look at the disbeliever's soul and we seek refuge with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is taken by the one in charge of the punishment. And the believer's soul is taken by the angels of mercy. So they had a bit of a dispute. And the angels of punishment, they said that, you know what, this person is not performed any good deed. Meaning after his repentance. He had not done any good deed, but the angel of mercy said that he had made tawbah. And he set out full of remorse. And he turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah then sent another angel. To arbitrate between the two of them. And this angel, he ruled, or he said, measure the distance between the two lands. Measure the distance between the two lands. And see for which land is he closer to. And that is to say he is from amongst its people. If the land yani, of disbelief is closer... The angels in charge of punishment, they must take his soul. And if it was closer to the land of Iman, the angels of mercy, they must take his soul. So they measured the land. And the distance between the two lands and he was closer to the place that he was heading to, yani to the land of Iman, to the people worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal, than the land that he was migrating from with a hand spanned. Such a small gap. So the angels of mercy, they took his soul. Subhanallah. So this hadith yani, contains a lot of benefit. For example, if a person, and yani, an individual, he kills a person intentionally, and then he repents, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most exalted, the most high, will accept his repentance. And this is also proven in surah in the verse in Surah An-Nisa, verse number 48, Inna Allaha la yawfiru an yushraka bihi wa yawfiru ma duna dhalika liman yasha wa man yushrik billahi faqad iftara ithman azima. That indeed and verily Allah Azza wa Jal la yawfiru an yushraka bihi that Allah does not forgive associating partners with Him. Allah does not forgive shirk. 
And yeah, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we need to know what is Tawheedullah. We need to know what is Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to know what is Ibadatullah. What is the worshipping of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we need to know what is the opposite of Tawheed, which is shirk. What is the opposite of ibadah? We need to know this so that we know how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala correctly. And then Allah says in this verse, ma duna But know that Allah he forgives other sins that are beyond this. لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ For whomever he wills. وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ And whomsoever. Associates partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَقَدِفْتَرَى إِثْمًا عَظِيمًا Has indeed fabricated a great ism, a great sin. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from all forms of shirk, major and minor. So here, anything less than shirk as we mentioned, Allah azza wa jal, he will forgive. And this is the position of the majority of the ulama. But it was reported from Abdullah ibn Abbas. May Allah be pleased with him. Or with both of them. Afwan, that a murderer will not be forgiven according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's saying. وَمَن يَقْتُلْ مُؤْمِنًا مُتَعَمِّدًا فَجَزَاؤُهُ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا وَغَضِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَلَعَنَهُ وَأَعَدَّ لَهُ عَذَابًا عَظِيمًا وَمَن يَقْتُلْ And whosoever kills a believer مُؤْمِنًا مُتَعَمِّدًا Intentionally his reward will be the hellfire. He will be rewarded with Jahannam. Khalidan fiha. And he will abide in there in forever. Alay, and the wrath of Allah, the anger of Allah will be upon him. Wala'anahu and his curse. And Allah has prepared for him a great torment. So, Abdullah ibn Abbas he was of the opinion that the murderer will not be forgiven according to this verse. However, as we mentioned, that majority of the ulama, they are of the opinion that they will be forgiven. And this is, or oh Wallahu A'lam seems to be, the most correct opinion. So how does one understand? Or how does one look at the report of Ibn Abbas? May Allah be pleased with him. So this could be understood that there is no repentance for the person who kills with respect to the slain. And that is because three rights are connected to a person's killing one another. For example, it is the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, it is the rights of the victim. And thirdly, it is the rights of the relatives. So let's understand this. A murder took place. Right? Fulan, he kills Fulan. 
So the murdered, the slain person, he has hukuk, he has rights. And with his rights, there are three of them. Number one, it is Allah Azza wa Jal's right. Number two, the victim, the slain, he has rights as well. And number three, his family, they have rights as well. So as for the right of Allah Azza wa Jal, then there is no doubt that Allah Azza wa Jal will forgive him through repentance. According to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, Ya ibadi, O my slaves, whoever have transgressed against themselves by committing evil deeds, la taqnatu min rahmatillah. That whosoever has transgressed against themselves, they committed evil deeds, they committed sin, and murder is part of this. La taqnatu min rahmatillah. Never lose hope. Never despair in the mercy of Allah. For indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He forgives all sins. For indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most forgiving, the most merciful. So with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He will forgive you. وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا يَزْنُونَ وَمَنْ يَفْعَلْ ذَلِكَ يَلْقَ أَثَامًا يُضَاعَفْ لَهُ الْعَذَابُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَيَخْلُدْ فِيهِ مُهَانًا Allah Azza wa Jal, he says in Surah Al-Furqan, and those who invoke other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala along with Allah, Right, with those who invoke not other than Allah, what, nor do they kill such life as Allah has forbidden, except for a just cause, nor do they commit illegal sexual intercourse. And whoever does this shall receive right, shall receive the punishment. The torment will be doubled on him on the day of Qiyamah and he will abide therein in disgrace except those who repent and they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they do righteous deeds for those Allah will change their sins into good deeds and Allah is of forgiving and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful. So that's the first point. As for the victim's rights, here the repentance of the person who killed will neither benefit him nor fulfill his rights for the fact of his death. And it is not possible to seek his pardon right, because he's passed away. This is what the killer will remain accountable for even if he repents. And on the day of resurrection, Allah will judge between both of them. But with respect, so this is point number two, but now with respect to the heirs of the victims, the family, the repentance of the killer will not also be equal to it unless he surrenders himself to the heirs of the slain and acknowledges the murder. 
So he says to the family, I am the killer. I am now before you. If you wish, you can kill me, accept my blood money or forgive me. If he seeks Allah's pardon and surrenders himself to the relatives of the victim, yani to the heirs, then his repentance will be considered acceptable. But as regards that between him and the slain, then the judgment is Allah's on the day of resurrection. So with regards to the family members, what needs to happen? The person, he needs to go, he needs to seek their forgiveness. If they agree to forgive him, alhamdulillah. If they agree that there needs to be blood money, that blood money needs to be paid, then he will need to pay this and Allah knows best. Another important point with regards to this hadith is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He shows us something very beautiful. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He shows us that this person, He goes to two people. That He goes to someone that is regarded as pious. He goes to someone that is regarded as extremely pious. And this is a very important lesson. That piety yani, does not equate knowledge. Alhamdulillah someone, Allah has granted him the istiqama to make salah. Allah has granted him the istiqama to fast. The nawafil fast. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted him the istiqama to do good actions. So he sits in a jummah, he hears that this is sunnah, he implements this. He sits in a talk, he hears that this is sunnah, he implements it. But that is as far as his knowledge has gone. He's not sat with the ulama, he's not sat with the people of knowledge, with the students of knowledge. He's not studied books. He's not studied usul al-fiqh, he's not studied mustalah al-hadith, he's not studied certain masail, etc. Yes, he knows the basics. He knows how to make salah, he knows how to make wudu, alhamdulillah, he knows the nawaqid, the nullifiers of wudu, etc. And that is good. But as we see in this hadith, someone might come to him, seeing him to be a person of knowledge. And he's asked a question, for example, about riba. He's asked a question, for example, about cryptocurrencies. He's asked an intricate question with some type of mas'ala. And instead of saying, I do not know, he still tries to answer. I think it should be like this or like that. In my opinion, it should be like this or like that. Subhanallah. First of all, if he's right, alhamdulillah, that's okay. But if you're wrong, subhanallah, you mislead in someone and you yourself, instead of saying, I do not know, 
you might find yourself in serious trouble on the day of Qiyamah. And this is why it is important that if we do not know that we say, we don't know. This is why it is important. And this reminds me of a story of Imam Daru Hijrah. Imam Malik rahimallahu ta'ala may Allah shower him with his blessings and his mercy. A person comes to him from a very far place. And he says to Imam Malik, I traveled and I traveled for quite some time. And I have a list of questions. And he gives the questions. And the Imam only answers half of the questions. And this is Malik. This is Imam Malik. This is Imam Udaru Hijrah. This is the Imam that stood, that sat, and he taught in front of the cover of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the people of Medina. And he says that, so certain questions he answers and the other questions he says, I do not know. And the person asks him that, you know, first of all, I traveled from so far, my people is going to ask me. So what must I tell them? To those questions that was not answered. He says, says tell your people that Malik does not know. Subhanallah. Tell your people that Malik does not know. This was the Imam. So was the teacher of Imam Muhammad Idris al-Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala. This was not someone that just went to a Daru Ulum or university, to the Azhar or to Jamia Islamiyah. It's not someone that just studied, okay, and maybe did his master's and he did his PhD. This was Malik ibn Anas. And he says that I do not know. And tell the people that Malik does not know. The ulama they say, La adri min nisri ilm. To say that la adri, to say that I do not know is half of knowledge. So this is the one side of the coin. The second side or the opposite side of the coin is that if you know, do not tell people that I don't know. Because you find people like that as well. He studies something, he knows the masala. Someone comes and they ask him the question. So now I don't want to be controversial. I don't want to tell the people what is right. So you just say, no, you know, I never read that, I do not know. This is kitmanul ilm. This is not sharing of knowledge. This is keeping knowledge away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to hold you responsible on the day of Qiyamah. Because we find that in society today, I don't want to be that Imam. I don't want to be that Da'i. I don't want to be that student of knowledge. I don't want to be that Sheikh that is in the bad books of the people. So someone comes to you, Sheikh. In music, haram. No, 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 you know, we live in a different society, this and that. My beloved brother, Ya Shaykh, Ya Talibul Ilm, you don't practice on it. You know it's not permissible. 
But because you want to be in the good books of the people, you try to give a different answer. I do not know. And to steer away. I remember having a conversation with someone, a learned person. We spoke about certain innovations, etc. And he says, you know what? That I, as myself, I don't do these innovations. Me as a person, right? I don't do this. Because of what I read, etc. But as for the people, when they ask me, I don't tell them it's wrong. So where's the love for the ummah? Where's the love for the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So seek knowledge. Knowledge is extremely important. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the understanding. Another important point of this hadith, and this is the last point I would like to look at of this particular hadith, is that he was ordered to leave the land that he was in. This is very important. That sometimes in order to get away from sin, in order to get away from the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what must happen? One needs to leave. Right? One needs to leave this particular area or particular society that you are in. For example, right, as we see the hadith spoke about a murder. Let us look at someone that abuses drugs, for example. Someone that is addicted to drugs. So he grew up in a particular society. He grew up in a particular community. He has a particular group of friends. And they are all abusers of drugs. And Alhamdulillah, he goes to masjid, he doesn't go to masjid. And one day he comes to the masjid. And what happens? He's listening to the imam, he's listening to the khatib. And he's speaking. And he's speaking about intoxicants. And he's speaking about how bad this is. And he's speaking about how haram it is. And... This brother, he realizes, you know, my whole life, I've been living in the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm a disappointment to my family. I'm a disappointment to my parents. I'm a disappointment to the community. You know what? Let me change my life. And alhamdulillah, he stops. But what happens to him? He's still staying in the same community. He's still moving with the same group of friends. So Alhamdulillah, the first month goes by, he's clean. The second month goes by, he's clean. But every Friday, every Saturday, every day of the week, he's still moving with the same group. And this same group is still involved in their bad habits. And one day maybe he has a bad day at work, he has a bad day at home, had a bad day at school, whatever it might be. And he says to the guys, you know what? Just one, he's just to calm down. <laughs> and subhanAllah, that one hit again takes him away. 
So such a person needs to be taken out of that society for a while. He needs to be taken out of that society. If he cannot change, if he cannot cope within that society, he needs to move. He needs to be rehabilitated somewhere else. If he has a family, he needs to maybe move house and go live somewhere else. Because staying in that community, in that society, seeing the same people that he was doing his bad habits with, might lead him just to carry on with his bad habits. And this is one of the important points of this hadith. And another important point is, and this is the last one, Afwan, that when you make tawbah, and you make sincere tawbah, then don't go back. And we discussed this before. Don't go back to where you were. Become a better person. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change your life. And this, alhamdulillah, is the end of hadith number 20. The next hadith, hadith number 21, is the hadith of Ka'b ibn Malik. Now this hadith is extremely, it is a very long hadith. And it obviously has a lot of benefits, it has a lot of explanation. So inshallah today we will be reading the hadith, we will be translating the hadith. And next week, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, we will look at the explanation of the hadith. وعن عبد وعن عبد الله بن كعب بن مالك وكان قاعدة كعب رضي الله عنه من بنيه حين عمي قال سمعت كعب سمعت كعب بن مالك رضي الله عنه يحدث بحديثه حين تخلف عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في غزوة التبوك قال كعب رضي الله عنه لم أتخلف عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في غزوة غزاها قط إلا في غزوة التبوك غير أني قد تخلفت في غزوة بدر ولم يعاتب أحد تخلف عنه إنما خرج رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم والمسلمون يريدون عيرة قريش حتى جمع الله تعالى بينهم وبين عدوهم على غير ميعاد ولقد شهدت مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ليلة العقبة حين تواثقنا على الإسلام وما أحب اللي بأن أن أن لي بها مشهد بدر وإن كانت بدر أذكر في الناس منها وكان من خبري حين تخلفت عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في غزوة التبوك أني لم أكن قدت أقوى ولا أيسر مني حين تخلفت عنه في تلك الغزوة والله ما جمعت قبلها راحلتين قد حتى جمعتهما في تلك الغزوة ولم يكن 
ولم يكن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يريد غزوة إلا وره في غيرها حتى كانت تلك الغزوة فغزاها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في حر شديد واستقبل سفرا بعيدا ومفازا واستقبل عددا كثيرا فجل للمسلمين أمرهم ليتهبوا أهبة غز غزوهم فأخبرهم بوجههم الذي يريد والمسلمون مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كثير ولا يجمعهم كتاب حافظ يريد بذلك الديوان قال كعب فقل رجل يريد أن يتغيب إلا ظن أن ذلك سيخف به لم ينزل فيه وحي من الله وغزو رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم تلك غزوة حين طاب الثمار والظلال فأنا إليها عصعر فتهجز رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم والمسلمون معه وضفقت أهدو لكي أتهجز معه فارجع ولم أقض شيئا وأقول في نفسي أنا قادر على ذلك إذا أردت فلم يزل يتمادي بي حتى حتى استمر بالناس الجد فأصبح رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم غاديا والمسلمون معه ولم أقض من جهاز شيئا ثم غدوت فرجعت ولم أقض شيئا فلم يزل يتمادى بي حتى أسرعوا وتف وتفارت الغزو فهممت أن تحيل فدر فدركهم فيا ليتني فعلت ثم لم يقدر ذلك لي فطفقت إذا خرجت في الناس بعد خروج رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يحزنني أني لا أرى لي أسوة إلا رجلا مغموما مغصوما عليه في النفاق أو رجلا ممن عذر الله تعالى من الدعفاء ولم يذكرني رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حتى بلغت تبوك فقال وهو جالس في القوم بتبوك ما فعل كعب بن مالك فقال رجل من بني سلم يا رسول الله حبسه برداه ونظر في عطفيه فقال له معاذ بن جبل رضي الله عنه بئس ما قلت والله يا رسول الله ما علمنا عليه إلا خير فسكت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فبينه على ذلك رأى رجلا مبيضا يزول به سراب فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كن أبا خيثمة فإذا هو أبو خيثم الأنصاري وهو الذي تصدق بصاع التمرحين لمزه, لمزه المنافقون 
قال كعب فلما بلغني أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قد توجه قافلا من تبوك حضرني بثي فطفقت أتذكر الكذب وأقول بما أخرج, بما أخرج من سخطه غدا واستعن على ذلك بكل ذي رأي من أهلي فلما قيل إن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قد أظل قادما زاح عني باطل حتى عرفت أني لن أنجو منه بشيء أبدا فجمعت صدقه وأصبح رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قادما وكان إذا قدم من سفر بدأ بالمسجد فركع فيه ركعتين ثم جلس للناس فلما فعل ذلك جاءه مخلفون يعتذرون يعتذرون إليه ويحلفون له وكان بضعا وثمانين رجلا فقبل منهم علانيتهم وبايعهم واستوفر لهم ووكل سرائرهم إلى الله تعالى حتى جئت فلما سلمت تبسم تبسم المغضب ثم قال تعال فجئت أمشي حتى جلست بين يدي فقال لي ما خلفك ألم تكن قد ابتعت ظهرك قال قلت يا رسول الله إني والله لو جلست عند غيرك من أهل الدنيا لرأيت أني سأخرج من سخطه بعذر لقد أعطيت جدلا ولكني والله لقد علمت لإن حدثت لإن حدثتك اليوم حديث كذبا ترضى به عني لا يوشكن الله أن يسخطك علي وإن وإن حدثتك حديث صدق تجد علي فيه إني لأرجو فيه عقب الله عز وجل والله ما كان لي من عذر والله ما كنت قد أقوى ولا أيسر مني حين تخلفت عنك قال قال فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أما هذا فقد صدق فكم حتى يقضي الله فيك وسار رجال من بني سلمة فاتبعوني فقال فقالوا لي والله ما علمنا أذنبت ذنبا قبل هذا لقد عجزت في ألا تكون اعتذرت إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بما اعتذر إليه مخلفون فقد كان كافيك ذنبك استغفار رسول الله رسول صلى الله عليه وسلم لك قال فوالله ما زالوا يعنبونني حتى أردت أن أرجع إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فأكذب نفسي ثم قلت لهم هل لقي هذا معي من أحد قالوا نعم لقيه معك رجلان قال مثل ما قلت وقيل لهما مثل ما قيل لك قال قلت من هما قالوا مرارة بن ربيع العمري وهلال بن أمية الواقفي 
قال فذكروا لي رجلين صالحين قد شهدا بدرا فيهما أسوة فيهما أسوة قال فمضيت حين ذكروهما لي ونهى رسول صلى الله عليه وسلم عن كلام عن كلامنا أيها الثلاثة من بين تخلف عنه فاجتنبنا الناس أو قال تغيروا لنا حتى حتى نكرت لي في نفس الأرض فما هي بالأرض التي أعرف فلبثنا على ذلك خمسين ليلة فأما صاحباي فاستكانا وقعدا في بيوتهما يبكيان وأما أنا فكنت أشب القوم وأجلدهم فكنت أخرج فاشهد الصلاة مع المسلمين وأطوف في الأسواق ولا يكلمني أحد وأتي رسول صلى الله عليه وسلم إليه فأسلم عليه وهو في مجلس بعد الصلاة فأقول في نفسي هل حرك شفتيه برد السلام أم لا ثم أصلي قريبا منه وأسارقه النظر فإذا قبلت على صلاة نظر إلي وإذا وإذا التفت نحوه أعرض عني حتى إذا طال ذلك علي من جفوة المسلمين مشيت حتى تسورت بجدار حائط أبي قتادة وهو ابن عمي وأحب الناس إلي فسلمت عليه فوالله ما رد عليه السلام فقلت له يا أبا قتادة انشدك انشدك بالله هل تعلمني احب الله ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم فسكت فعدت فناشدته فسكت فعدت فناشدته فقال الله ورسول اعلم ففاضت عيناي وتوليت حتى تسورت الجدار فبين أنا أمشي في سوق المدينة إذا تبطي من نبط أهل الشام ممن قدم بالطعام يبيعه بالمدينة يقول من يدل على كعب بن مالك فطفق الناس يشيرون له إلي حتى جاءني فدفع إلي كتابا من ملك غسان وكنت كتابا فقرأته فإذا فيه أما بعد فإنه قد بلغنا أن صاحبك قد جفاك ولم يجعلك الله بدار هوان ولا مضية فالحق بنى نواسك فقلت حين قرأتها وهذه أيضا من البلاء فتيممت بها التنور فسجرتها حتى إذا مضت أربعون من الخمسين واستل بث الوحي إذا رسول الله رسول 
Rasulu Rasulillah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ya'tini faqala inna Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ya'muruka an ta'tazila an ta'tazila muratak faqultu utalliquha amma dha af'al faqala la bal'tazilha fala taqrabannaha warsala ila sahibayya bimithli dhalika faqultu li imra'ati alhaqib ahlik fakuni 'indahum hatta yaqdiya Allahu fi hadha al-amr faja'ani faja'at timra'atu Hilal ibn Umayyah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Faqalat lahu ya Rasulullah Inna Hilal ibn Umayyah Shaykhun da'i'un Laysa lahu khadimun Fahal takrahu an akhdumahu Qala la Walakin la yakrabannak فقالت إنه والله ما به من حركة إلى شيء ووالله ما زال يبكي منذ كان من أمري ما كان إلى يوم هذا فقال لي بعد أهلي لو استأذنت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في أمر في امرأتك فقد أذن لامرأته لا لبني أمي أن تختمه فقلت لا, است... فقلت لا استأذ... استأذن وأستأذن فيها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وما يدريني ماذا يقول رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا استأذنته وأنا رجل شاب فلبثت بذلك عشر ليال فكمل لنا خمسون ليلة من حين نهي عن كلامنا ثم صليت صلاة الفجر صباح خمسين ليلة على ظهر بيتي من بيوتنا ف فبين أنا جالس على حال التي ذكر الله تعالى منا قد ضاقت علي نفسي وضاقت علي الأرض بما رحبت سمعت صوت سارخ أوفى على سلع يقول بأعلى صوته يا كعب بن مالك أبشر فخررت ساجداً وعرفت أنه قد جاء فرج فآذن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الناس بتوبة الله عز وجل علينا حين صلى صلاة الفجر فذهب الناس يبشروننا فذهب قبل صاحبي مبشرون ورقد رجل إلي فرسا وسعى ساعة من أسلم قبلي وأوفى على الجبل فكان صوت أسرع من الفرس فلما جاءني الذي سمعت صوته يبشرني نزعت له ثوبي فكسوتهما إياه ببشارته والله ما أملك غيرهما يومئذ واستعرت ثوبين فلبستهما 
وانطلقت أتأمم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يتلقان الناس فوجا فوجا يهنئونني بالتوبة ويقولون لي لتهنك توبة الله عليك حتى دخلت المسجد فإذا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم جالس حوله الناس فقام طلحة بن عبيد الله رضي الله عنه يهرول حتى صاح صافحني وهنأني والله ما قام رجل من المهاجرين غيره فكان كعب لا ينساها لطلحة قال كعب فلما سلمت على رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال وهو يبرق وجهه من السرور أبشر بخير يوم مر عليك مد ولدتك أمك فقلت أمن عندك يا رسول الله أم من عند الله قال لا بل من عند الله عز وجل وكان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا سرستنا رواجه حتى كان وجهه قطعة قمر وكنا نعرف ذلك من فلما جلست بين يدي قلت يا رسول الله إن من توبتي أن أن خلي من مالي صدقة إلى الله وإلى رسول فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أمسك عليك بعد مالك فهو خير لك فقلت إني أمسك سهم الذي بخيبر وقلت يا رسول الله إن الله تعالى إنما إن إن جاءني بصدق وإن من توبتي ألا أحدث إلا صدق ما بقيت فوالله ما علمت أحدا من المسلمين لا الله تعالى في صدق الحديث منذ ذكرت ذلك لرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أحسن مما أبل آن الله تعالى والله ما تعمدت كذبة منذ قلت ذلك لرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إلى يومي هذا وإني لأرجو أن يحفظني الله تعالى فيما بقي قال فأنزل الله تعالى لقد تاب الله على النبي والمهاجرين والأنصار الذين اتبعوه فيه ساعة العسر حتى بلغ إنه بهم رؤوف رحيم وعلى الثلاثة التي وعلى الثلاثة الذين خلفوا حتى إذا ضاقت عليهم الأرض بما رحبت حتى بلغ اتقوا الله وكانوا مع الصادقين قال كعب والله ما أنعم الله علي من نعمة 
قَتْتُنْ بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَانِ اللَّهِ لِإِسْلَامِ أَعْضَمَ فِي نَفْسِ مِنْ صِدْقِ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَلَا أَكُونَ كَذَبْتُهُ فَأَهْلِكَ كَمَا هَلَكَ الَّذِي كَذَبُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى قَالَ الَّذِينَ كَذَبُوا حِينَ أَنْزَلَ الْوَحْيَ يَشْرُ مَا قَالَ لِأَحَدٍ فقال الله تعالى سيحلفون بالله لكم إذا انقلبتم إليهم لتعرضوا عنهم فأعرضوا عنهم إنهم رجسوا ومأواهم جهنم جزاء بما كانوا يكسبون يحلفون لكم لترضوا عنهم فإن ترضوا عنهم فإن الله لا يرضى عن القوم الفاسقين قال كعب كنا خلفنا أيها الثلاثة عن أمر أولئك الذي قبل منهم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم حين حلفوا له فبايعهم واستوفر لهم وأرجى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أمرنا حتى قال الله تعالى فيه بذلك قال الله تعالى وعلى ثلاثة الذي خلفوا وليس, وليس الذي ذكر مما خلفنا تخلفنا عن الغز وإنما هو تخليفه إيانا وارجعوه أمرنا عمن خلف له واعتذر إليه فقبل منه متفق عليه وفي رواية أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم خرج في غزوة التبوك يوم الخميس وكان يحب أن يخرج يوم الخميس وفي رواية وكان لا يقدم من سفر إلا نهارا في الضحى فإذا قدم بدأ بالمسجد فصلى فيه ركعتين ثم جلس فيه Alhamdulillah This was the old hadith Alhamdulillah And If out of Just listening To the hadith And not even understanding What you heard But for every time When you heard Rasulullah Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Then you said Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam As the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He says من صلى عليا صلاة صلى الله بها على عشرة تدم سوئفة sends one salutation unto me الله سبحانه وتعالى sends ten salutations back unto him the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he also described the one who is a miser the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he said the one who is a miser is he when he hears my name, he does not pass salutations unto me. So next week, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, we will <coughs> carry on with the hadith and we will explain this hadith. This is, just to give you one or two points about the hadith, this hadith is about three companions of the Prophet wasallam that never accompanied the Prophet wasallam during the battle of Tabuk. And not to take too much of the story, of the narration, but inshallah next week we will carry on to why they never participated and what happened to them when the Prophet and his army returned back to Medina. 
وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت وأتوب إليك